If you're curious to engage with a lot of the topics we explore on the podcast in more creative and embodied ways, we welcome you to join us in Alchemize, our 10-week audio-based program of daily imagination practices intended to disrupt status quo ways of thinking, sensing, relating, and being. To be honest, without any grant support for our show right now, and we did just get turned down by several mainstream environmentalism philanthropies, this program and our Patreon are our primary means of supporting our labor for these free podcasts right now. We really want to remain untethered to corporate interests, and every small contribution to our Patreon or enrollment in our program Alchemize helps to ensure that we can continue producing these vital conversations that feature voices and perspectives often sidelined from mainstream media. So if you value our work and want to dive deeper with us, join us in Alchemize today at greendreamer.com slash alchemize and join our Patreon starting at just $3 at patreon.com slash greendreamer. Thank you so, so much for however you were able to support our work during these critical times. We are so deeply grateful. Focusing on all of the areas that you can do something better or make a better choice is so much just better for you personally than telling up all of the things that you messed up. How can we leverage the power of video to share our ideas on sustainability, to build deeper connections with our audience, and to grow our reach? How can we help to normalize eco-conscious living so that among our friends and family, we don't feel like these eco-weirdos casually whipping out reusable utensils out and about or pulling out endless numbers of canvas bags magically from our bags? That's just the tip of the iceberg of what you'll hear today. Now, I want to take a quick moment to remind you that I'm personally writing and sending out weekly highlights from the podcast. So if you're interested in a leisurely, hopefully empowering minute-long read sent to you every Sunday, you can sign up at greendreamer.com. I look forward to connecting with you there. And now to our episode. Let's dive in. Hey, it's Kamea Shane, and this is Green Dreamer, a podcast for creatives, visionaries, and entrepreneurs dreaming of a sustainable future. Thank you for bringing your light. If you haven't already, make sure to hit subscribe, and together, let's learn what it takes to thrive in every sense of the word. Our guest today is one of the pioneering YouTube content creators within the sustainability space. She's the creator of My Green Closet, which is a channel and a blog about conscious fashion, natural beauty, minimalism, and sustainable living. If you don't already know her work, be sure to check it out. You can type in youtube.com slash mygreencloset and it should take you right there. And while you're there, you may or may not also see me because I actually had the honor of sharing my conscious closet on her channel recently. So if you're curious about my clothes at all, you can also find it on her channel. I personally just love her work and approach to inspiring sustainability. It's so friendly, welcoming, she really knows what she's talking about, and also offers really genuinely helpful tips and ideas. And I think you'll also get a sense of this too throughout our conversation. So let's just get started, starting off with what got her into sustainability. Green Dreamer, here's Erin of My Green Closet. My first interaction with more of a sustainable lifestyle came probably 10 years ago. And I became vegetarian 10 years ago after learning about the meat industry and factory farming and the sustainable impact of that. And I just felt like 
I couldn't continue to support that. So that was, I guess, my first major life change and realizing how my choices as a consumer can support or go against things that I think are really important. But in terms of sustainable fashion, that was while I was studying fashion design in university. I became really aware of sustainable fashion and the issues in the industry. And I really wanted to work in fashion, but I remember feeling like I can't work in this industry that's so terrible and has all of these things going on. But I also started to learn about brands who were doing really cool things. And I interned for a company who had a really strong charity focus and aspect to their business. And so I learned that fashion doesn't just have to be about you know, making as much money as possible or selling things as cheaply as possible. So it was really inspiring to see that brands can also do good. And then that really got me into the whole sustainable fashion conscious living space. Mm -hmm. And what, what was one of those things you learned about sustainable fashion in terms of the issue side that just made you want to do things differently? Oh, man, there's so many things. And it's like, I think when you start to learn about it, you just uncover more and more and more as you dig into it. But um, something in particular that really shocked me, I think, was learning about how little garment workers can be paid and especially having the experience of having made clothes and sewn clothes myself. Like I knew how much work that was and how difficult it can be and also how little or how that translates to the customer. So for example, like in Cambodia, workers were fighting for a really long time for a monthly wage increase, I think for of like 20 US dollars. Um, and I'm not totally sure, but I think they actually did get it last year and the minimum wage is now like 170 US dollars. But if you think about how many clothes a factory produces, then that wage increase is actually only pennies to the end consumer. And yet people have to fight so hard for that money. And also, like with those wage increases, there's a chance that brands will leave and go somewhere else to save money. So that to me is just like kind of crazy when you think that, you know, for pennies more, it could drastically impact somebody's life and they could actually be paid a living wage. Um, and I remember a buyer who worked with really large brands talking about how when they're negotiating, it's all about saving as much money as you possibly can. So like if you can get that zipper for a cent cheaper, or if you can find a factory who will make it for 50 cents less, then you're good at your job. And there's so much pressure to, especially with like really big brands to cut costs wherever possible. So, and that's all just so we can buy really cheap clothes. Um, and that just to me was like, this is insane. <laughs> mm -hmm. I think the issue probably arise just because of how long and complex the supply chain is. Like the end consumers typically don't know this entire journey. So consumers would like things to be cheaper. Like it's always good for the buyer mm. to get a better deal. But I don't think consumers are really willing to um, have this be at the cost of someone else's, you know, like living wage. And people don't know that. But now we're starting to learn about that. So... We're hopefully demanding change and helping the industry go in a healthier direction. Yeah, I definitely think change is happening and awareness is such a huge part of that. Mm -hmm. And with you, with your awareness of all of these issues and everything you were learning, what did your personal creative journey look like that led you to starting My Green Closet? So I actually started it over three years ago now, and I was just in a 
space where I had some extra free time. My husband and I were in the process of moving to Germany and looking for new jobs. And I was just getting into capsule wardrobes. And I thought it would be fun to share my capsule wardrobe. I've never felt like I was a really good writer. So video seemed like a fun way to do it and kind of a creative outlet. And I really enjoyed that. And I thought that YouTube would be a great place to share some of these topics that I was really interested interested in. And also actually at the time when I started it, nobody was really making content about sustainable fashion. YouTube was just full of like fast fashion hauls. And I guess I figured that if I'm looking for videos and content around, you know, more conscious closets and more minimal closets, then probably other people are too. So it really just started as a little passion project and hobby for me and then grew from there. Mm. And how much did you know about creating videos and what gave you the courage to be the first in the field? <laughs> so I knew nothing really. Um, I basically, you know, picked up a camera. I actually recorded everything for the first year on a phone. Um, and then I learned how to edit videos online. I took some like online courses, just little ones, tutorials and stuff to figure out how to do that. And just kind of taught myself things as I went. I saw somebody doing something interesting and it's like, oh, maybe I can figure out how they did that or try filming different things. And I feel like I still have so much to learn about it. But yeah, I just kind of jumped in. <laughs> so you just dove in, you just got started as a passion project and learn along the way. And that's how you've grown to where you are today. Mm hmm. Yeah, well, we know numbers aren't everything, but for you to have a growing community of people who are really eager and excited to learn from you also means that you're able to welcome more and more people into these important conversations. And I feel like this is what it's all about. What do you think has been the hardest part for you behind the curtains, building up your platform and community? So it's definitely a challenge to, you know, find ways to get your content out there and get it in front of the people who are looking for it, right? You know, there's so many things around algorithms and SEO and how to get noticed. But I think actually the biggest hurdle for me has been more on the business side of things. And, you know, I do everything on my own, which is pretty common for any kind of small business. You have to fill all the roles, figure out how to juggle a lot of different things, you know, like I said, teach yourself all kinds of different things. Um, and that's always a challenge. But I guess something that I feel like has been a big hurdle actually is getting people to take me seriously. There's a lot of people who don't understand YouTube or blogging or social media, and they think it's just something frivolous and egotistical. Um, that doesn't really add any value and they don't see it as an actual, you know, business or somebody that they would want to work with. So that's difficult. And I think that, you know, people maybe don't necessarily see content creators as having a role in the industry. And actually something that I found even really surprising is that people often take bloggers more seriously than YouTubers. As soon as I started out my blog this summer, cause that came quite a bit later than my channel. I got totally different kinds of pitches and still talking to people. They'll often take me more seriously if I say that I have a blog versus a YouTube channel. Mm. So that's just something that's kind of interesting, but I think it'll change over time. Yeah. Well, what have you learned from all of these things? Like, what do you think is the best way for us to communicate the value that we have as creatives? Yeah. So it's so challenging because I think sometimes brands especially view creatives in the same way as or like online content creators 
as they would like a magazine or a newspaper where you can get free publicity, but it's such a different thing. And I think just communicating how much work goes into blogging and creating digital content, social media, and then also how valuable that is because, you know, as content creators, we've built up this amazing relationship with our audience and this trust. And that is so valuable. And, you know, essentially brands who are maybe working with you or like just interacting with you, I think don't necessarily understand that. Um, and how, how important that is, but For sure. yeah, I don't, <laughs> I mean, you also run, I feel like a very intimate and active Facebook group, group right now with over 2000 people who are from all over the world with different backgrounds, focuses, and who have different approaches to sustainability. In your experience being the moderator of the community, how do you think we can make sustainability more powerful as this uniting movement in spite of everyone's differences? Yeah, so it's definitely challenging. I think something that I really encourage is like not being judgmental and really showing that there's so many different ways that you can approach these topics. And just because somebody's doing something different than you doesn't mean that it's bad. It's just, you know, they maybe have different values and different priorities or different backgrounds and access to different kinds of things. So I think trying to recognize that there's so many factors that go into sustainable decisions and conscious lifestyles is really important. And I also try to start topics that that maybe can create some common ground or really open-ended questions like how, you know, do you think that we can deal with this kind of thing? Um, so, so many people can give their feedback and have discussions and just, yeah, try to keep it positive and, and open. For sure. Well, I feel like because of your approach, your really, your really welcoming approach, you've built a space that's really inclusive and people enjoy being a part of it. And because of that, you also have a really powerful and graceful voice of reason that I really admire. I feel like those are things that really shine through in your videos, to me at least. Um, my question for you is, how did you come to be such a natural talking on video? <laughs> <laughs> okay, that... It's super awkward. And actually, it's so weird to me to even just do this, like podcasting and doing this interview with you, because I feel like I can't, you know, I can't edit it in the way that I can with video. Um, so editing, I think for sure helps in being able to, you know, say things. If you screw up, you can go back and redo it. Um, I think it just takes practice, though, really. It's like doing it again and again and again. And when I look back at my older videos, I think I look so awkward and <laughs> strange and it's really awful. Well, if so, you could go back to day one of you creating a video, what would you do differently? Oh, I think it's really good to understand what kinds of things um, your audience is looking for and also really how you want to present yourself. I think having a, maybe a more clear idea of what I wanted the channel to be like, what kind of aesthetic I wanted it to have, because I think those things just really developed over time and I'm still trying to figure some of those out. So it would have been nice to sort of jump in with a bit more of a, of a plan, I guess. And in terms of talking, I think a big thing is to just relax, be comfortable, pretend that you're talking to a friend or having a conversation, you know, like this is really nice because we're chatting. Whereas when you're talking to just a camera, it's just you. So that can be kind of awkward. It's very one-sided. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, I was stalking your YouTube channel and I found your three most popular videos today to be number one, a tour of your minimal apartment you were living yeah. in two years ago. <laughs> number two, five things you no longer buy from one year ago. And number three, a tour of a different apartment from four months ago. And knowing this and also <laughs> just looking at everything else you've put out, what do you think it is about a video that draws people in at the start? So I think videos are super engaging. I think it's the closest that you can almost get to an in-person conversation, right? You're like seeing the person, they're talking, they're showing you stuff. It's super visual. And I think those are all really appealing to people. And it's so funny that you mentioned those apartment tours because <laughs> I'm always like, how are these my most popular <laughs> videos? But I think people are really curious. They want to see how you live and what your life's like. I think video is super personal. So you can do stuff like that. Yeah. But it always surprises me. It's like, those are really, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And kind of going back on what you were saying, we have to really know our audience in order to create engaging content. What does that process look like for you in terms of getting to know what your audience wants? Yeah. So when you start off, you don't really know what you want to, um, what your audience necessarily wants, right? So you kind of have this freedom to say, okay, who is my ideal audience and what kinds of topics are going to be helpful and valuable to them and then create those. And I always try to put myself in, you know, the shoes of one of my viewers and it's like, what's going to help them in their life? What's something that's maybe going to inspire them to think a bit differently about their wardrobe or teach them something new. So I always try to make sure that any content I create has some kind of value to it. And then once you have some followers and some feedback, you can see what kinds of things people like and what sort of things they like watching. And obviously people like to see my apartment, <laughs> but you know, yeah, you, you get feedback and you get a good sense of what people are interested in. They'll often ask you questions. Usually when people ask you questions, that's a great, you know, next video idea or next blog post to kind of build on that. Because if they have that question, probably other people do too. So yeah, I think kind of getting the momentum and feedback from that is super helpful. Mm -hmm. So really getting to know what our audience is looking for and then being of service and value to our audience. Mm -hmm. Well, so we talked about building a community, creating engaging videos to welcome more people into sustainability. What else have you tried yourself or seen others do that you think has really worked well in terms of uh, bringing more people into sustainability? So I think it's really important to highlight that, you know, you don't have to be perfect. This isn't like an all in thing. And I've talked about this before. I think sometimes sustainable movements and components that are very black and white, where it's like, you need to do this, 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 and this, or you're like, not good enough. I think that is really discouraging. So I definitely advocate for small steps and focusing on little things that you can do and then build on, right? So instead of going out there and it's like, oh, you have to buy all fair trade clothing that's good quality, that's, you know, sustainable, that's really overwhelming and intimidating. And so I really encourage people to take one thing that they want to focus on and start there and, you know, start finding maybe that's, you know, you want to start buying more secondhand clothing or maybe it's you want to start, you know, finding companies that are locally made or that, you know, pay their workers fairly and just try to focus on that and then really celebrate those successes. And then once you feel comfortable with that, you can do something else maybe or something else. But I think just starting with one thing and focusing on that is a really 
good way to get people involved um, instead of making people feel like they're not doing enough or they need to do more. Totally. And what's one of those things for you that you've been working on that you've been finding challenging? Yeah. So I've been following a lot of like the whole zero waste movement and I think it's super interesting, but I also think it's really difficult sometimes. And there's a lot of conflicting, um, things I find that are, that are part of that. So that's something that I'm working on. I'm trying to see where I can reduce plastic, especially and use less plastic, but it's a process and I'm for sure not perfect at it, but it's, you know, I think with all of these things, it's about, trying to see all the good things that you can do versus like tallying up all the things that you did wrong. Um, and that's, I think a really interesting perspective shift and something that I've talked about on my channel too, where there's this kind of do no harm mentality versus a do good mentality. And it sounds sort of like the same thing, but I think focusing on all of the areas that you can do something better or make a better choice is so much just better for you personally than telling up all of the things that you messed up. Mm. I feel like for you, your positive approach has really resonated with people seeing how quickly your community has grown. And I feel like you've really become a thought leader in this space because you're someone that people trust, they feel um, close to you, and they feel like they can turn to you for advice. What are you most proud of having accomplished throughout these past three years? Well, that's so nice of you to say it. And I really appreciate that. <laughs> um, honestly, the thing that I'm so proud of and what gives me so much encouragement and motivation is getting really kind messages from people when they talk about how they found my video and it's helped them make more mindful purchases or maybe start a capsule wardrobe or how they've you know made these sustainable changes in their life and how that's made them happier with their wardrobes or lifestyles. Um, just these those kinds of amazing messages and feedback means so much to me. Like I just recently got a message from someone who was telling me about how they had these really terrible shopping habits and they were buying so much stuff that they didn't actually like and had a closet full of clothes. And now they have a more curated wardrobe and they're very careful with their purchases and they really love all their clothes. And it just it feels so incredible to know that I played a small role in that change. So yeah, that's definitely like what keeps me going and the most encouraging and motivating thing. Totally. That's amazing. What do you think was key to you being able to reach people so deeply that, you know, they feel like you've made such a positive impact on their lives? Oh man. I mean, it's hard to say. I think presenting what I'm doing in a way that feels like, you know, it's not that difficult, I think is important. Um, it's hard to say because I think different things resonate with people in different ways. And that's also why I try to highlight all kinds of different aspects of sustainability. Um, yeah. And I guess just, I think the positive approach definitely helps and showing that, you know, this is something you can do and this is something else you can do. And it's, you know, small steps and, and celebrating those. Mm. Yeah, I, I don't think, know. It's hard to say. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like a big part of it is probably you just making sustainability feel more accessible because like you said, you're showing that there's all of these different options that people can take in their first steps. And you're also celebrating everyone's baby steps. And it just provides a really welcoming environment. Yeah, I think um, normalizing it is really important. I know quite often, especially it depends on what your friend and friends and family are like, but if they're not super into it, then you feel really weird and like an outsider, you know, bringing your 
reusable straw (laughs) or whatever it is, right? Like you feel kind of strange and sort of awkward and maybe uncomfortable. And so I think showing that, you know, there's a lot of people just like you out there in the world, they might not be in your immediate circle, but you know, people all around the world are doing these things and making changes. And there's a whole community. I think that's super important so that you Mm. don't feel like, you know, you're alone. How do you think we can, I guess, go from feeling like an outsider to feeling like a part of the mainstream community that might not be as nerdy or that into sustainability (laughs) as we are? I think it's really cool to lead by example, right? And just like be a good example to people around you. And something I've noticed also is that when you're just, you know, living your life and not judging other people, but you know, leading by example, occasionally talking about things, but not in a, you know, like, Oh, can you believe this? You, you know, we should never buy these kinds of clothes because they're so horrible, but just in like a, Hey, isn't this cool? I found this amazing, like fair trade brand that manufactures in this place. And they have this really cool story. Then that also, I think brings other people into the conversation and gets them excited. And I've noticed just in my own personal life, you know, people will sometimes be like, Oh, guess what? Like I found this really cool product and it's super, eco-friendly and it does XYZ or I got all of these amazing clothes from the thrift store and that it's just like exciting. Um, so I think that definitely helps bring people into the conversation and in a way that's, yeah, that sort of feels like we're all in this together and we're making little changes. Um, I don't know if that answers your question. (laughs) Totally. So again, going back to being positive about it, doing you and people naturally get curious about what you're doing and join in hopefully Mm -hmm. and sharing cool stories. I think that's a big part of it too. Like just showcasing brands or people that are doing really cool things, sharing stuff on social media or yeah. Highlighting that it's that there's a lot of people out there doing really interesting and cool things. For sure. What is your vision for my green closet going forward and how do you hope to keep strengthening your voice for sustainability? Oh, man. So I would love for it to just kind of keep growing. Um, I'm at like a weird point where it's like I really want it to be able to totally financially sustain itself. But like the business side of things is really challenging sometimes. So I guess my ideal situation would be for it to be like a fully financially sustainable business where I'm able to just create really cool and interesting content. I've always wanted to do a lot more stuff like going out and doing tours of maybe a textile recycling place or factories or things that require more budget, I guess. And that always is challenging because I don't have the, um, the capabilities to do that right now. So yeah, I think in the future, that's something. Thing I want to do. I want to have more people share more things on the channel and yeah, just do, do more. <laughs> awesome. And what is one of your upcoming projects that you hope to do, or you're already in the process of doing that you're really excited for? Ooh. Okay. So, um, right now, or just recently I launched a new series, which showcases different people's closets. So everyone has seen my closet and heard my thoughts. So I want to show that there are a lot of different ways to have a conscious wardrobe and highlight some of the just incredible creators who are also discussing these topics. So I had my very first one go up just a couple weeks ago with Kestrel Jenkins. And mm. then I'm hoping to do one every month or every month or two. I still have to organize all of that, but I'm really excited for that. And I got amazing feedback 
back. So I'm, yeah, that's awesome. something I'm really excited about. For sure. Well, we're learning that people love seeing the insides of people's homes and closets. Yeah. So I think you're onto <laughs> something with this. Um, and no pressure at all, but we're obviously going to be watching your work and getting inspiration from you. Where can we follow you online and on social media to stay posted? Yeah, so you can find my channel at youtube.com slash migraincloset or type it into YouTube. And then I have a blog at migraincloset.com and you can find me on Instagram at Verena Aaron. Before we go into our final five tips for you, I just wanted to say thank you for tuning in, subscribing, for signing up for my newsletter if you did that, and for sharing the podcast with friends who might also be interested if you've also gotten a chance to do that as well. It really helps the podcast out so much. I know there's always room for improvement, so I also really appreciate your encouragement, support, and feedback along the way. Like really, I am grateful for you and I just wanted to tell you that. I appreciate you. And now, on to our final five and key takeaways. Let's power through. What is one social media account or publication you follow that really uplifts you? So this is super hard to pick one. I feel like there's so (laughs) many amazing people out there. Um, I want to give a shout out to another YouTuber. Her channel and name is Ali Cherry. And she makes beautiful conscious lifestyle videos. And she is just the super, oh, she's such a sweet person. Her channel is definitely one of my favorites. And she also has a really amazing Instagram. Mm, We'll check it out. Uh, What do you tell yourself to stay inspired and motivated? So right now I have a quote up on my wall that says, um, we rise by lifting others. And that's something that I've been really trying to focus on, especially this year. I think it's easy to get super caught up in yourself and what you're doing, especially running your own business and on social media, you're, you know, often comparing yourself to others. And I think we're so lucky because we actually are in more of a community kind of space. And it's a nice reminder to think about other people and how I can help others and, you know, what I can do to support other people in this space. I think that's just a really nice reminder to have. So that's something that I'm trying to, yeah, really incorporate into my life. Mm, That's beautiful. What is one action we can try out this week for our planet's health? Okay. So this is something that That might seem really silly and insignificant, but I think it's actually incredibly interesting. I recently learned that kettles boil or take so much energy to boil water. And apparently most people overfill your kettles. So if you're a coffee or tea drinker, a really easy thing you can do is only boil the amount that you need or only fill it just to the minimum line. This sounds like such a simple thing, but I was looking at some stats and it was saying that this actually saves so much energy over time. So tiny, tiny little things like that that you can do in your everyday life can add up to a really big impact. I love that because I've never heard anyone outright say that before. And I love hearing all these weird little things you can do in your daily (laughs) lifestyle to make a positive difference. Uh, What makes you most hopeful for our planet right now? Um, I'm really encouraged by a lot of the innovation and stuff that's happening, especially in sustainable fashion. And there's some really cool business models coming out specifically around like circularity and reducing textile waste, which I think is super exciting. And I think that's the future of sustainable fashion and really important. Mm -hmm. And what final words of wisdom do you have for us as green dreamers? Ooh. <laughs> um, I think it's really important to remember why you're doing what you're doing. So things can get 
challenging. And, you know, like I said, sometimes you can feel really isolated and feel like you're maybe not doing enough or you're not doing things correct. So I think just going back to your reasons of why you're trying to do this and why it's important to you is really good at keeping yourself motivated and focused on the changes that you want to make. Remember your why. Green Dreamer here, my two key takeaways. Number one, lead with cool and exciting stories about positive things happening in sustainability. You know, maybe we nerd out and enjoy learning about the problems, but a lot of times these problems make people just want to turn the other way because it is hard to process it all. Even for me, it's still hard sometimes to process all of the dark sides of what's happening. And I know that's just the reality, but sometimes I do have to stop too for my own mental well-being and to just take a break from this. So, you know, by starting with all the cool things happening or amazing projects, amazing brands that we can already support, that can be a really effective way, I think, to naturally draw people into this conversation. Number two, healthy living, sustainable living, it's a process that looks different for everybody. And even on an individual level for ourselves, we really have to just celebrate all the baby steps that we do take because that excitement and confidence in our ability to make a difference, that's what can propel us forward. So let yourself have all of those baby wins. They mean something and you're incredible for having accomplished everything that you've already done. And there, that's a wrap for this episode. You can find the full show notes at greendreamer.com. Get in touch with me on Instagram or Twitter at Kamea Shane and email me at hello at greendreamer.com if you have any feedback, uh, if you want to share your biggest takeaways with me or just to say hello. And finally, just remember, now more than ever, our planet needs your light to thrive. So if you haven't yet, hit subscribe and Green Dreamer, I will catch you later.